This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I-35 with one thought on my mind. Hey Forget there, the race, and thanks for tuning space, in and telling city. a friend Barbara that I. you hang out on the other side of Texas, the most listened to program in West Texas and perhaps the state. And I say that in substantiating our online listenership and our podcast uh, downloads and our listenership there. So glad whether you're in West Texas, North Texas, South Texas, far West Texas, wherever you're listening to, glad that you're with us. I'm Jay West Texas Leeson. We're broadcasting from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Voted Lubbock's Best Wash for five years running. Stop in while you're in the Hub City for one of five convenient locations. You can always catch me in the VIP line for the Best Wash Around. Guaranteed at RacerWash.com. Speaking of rain and the monumental week that I think that Racer Car Wash is going to have next week. Look. I got the seminary degree. I've got the shingles on the wall to tell you hashtag pray against pray away rain. That's it. Hashtag pray away rain. That's what we need here. Cotton within a hundred mile radius of Lubbock. Just get out your compass and try to figure it out. Within a hundred mile radius of Lubbock means five billion dollars of annual economic impact and this is no time for it to be raining the way that it is i look out across the street i'm looking at it right now and the cotton is sogging that's not the quality cotton that we need going into the trade line there for cotton globally or domestically or otherwise a critical time before harvest and that's where we stand is where cotton is right now uh so to break away from that and get into what we need to the overarching question of the day is regent gate over i fielded that i don't know how many times over the weekend as we so on thursday of last week we had the Texas Tech Board of Regents say, okay, well, we're done. And that on fr- uh, Thursday, October 4, uh, they the chairman stepped down. And what I told you then is what I'll tell you now. That the then chairman... Rick Francis was confronted by uh, some of the Board of Regents uh, 
from a couple of border regions in particular to say, if you don't step down on your own terms publicly, then we'll bring the question uh, publicly and then go step down on our terms. And that an intriguing question. We've got that back in our podcast. And so then Rick Francis decided to step down. Now, where that sets up the question right now is, is Regent Gate over? And I've gotten that from a lot of listeners. And here's what I would say is that I'm inclined to say that it's over because I've heard between six or eight regents force a question from Rick Francis. Now, if if it's eight, then that means that Francis was looking the board in their eyes. Francis being the ninth of nine members of the board. And my understanding is between six and eight said Francis stepped down. Now, it becomes an intriguing question because we have listeners throughout the state. And a few of those listeners have responded since last Friday when there was a gala there at Texas A&M where some Aggies received awards. And there were, I think, eight or nine Aggies who received awards. And they were afforded the opportunity to choose their music, their theme music, as it were, as they headed up to the stage. And each member, and this is Robert O'Keen, there's a lot of different Aggies who received this award, were given the opportunity to give their music as they walked up to the stage. One of the recipients was John Sharp, Chancellor of Texas A&M, a month or more away from Duncan stepping down from uh, from Duncan stepping down at Texas Tech, and so the question becomes, what would his music be? And we have it from three different sources, what his music was. It was brought to nervous laughter by those in attendance. But here's what Texas A&M Chancellor John Sharp chose to be his theme music. That's right, Queen, we are the champions. Now, I don't know of how many, on how many other levels you could equate John Sharp at conservative Texas A&M to be in line with, and this is for other people to pontificate about, but John Sharp chose this music. I don't know if he's saying that he approves of the lifestyle of certain members of Queen, but he certainly chose that theme music to be his music as he walked to the stage. Now, some will say in bad taste, especially since it's within the last month, six weeks, of Bob Duncan, who challenged A&M's veterinary medicine monopoly. But we are the champions. Now, 
Let me think out loud about this for just a moment. And Scott Braddock coming up in the next segment. Braddock on Texas uh, with his weekly with his weekly interview here. But let me think out loud. And correct me if I'm wrong. 806-745-5800. There is seniority that's involved with becoming the chairman or vice chairman. I think that Rick Francis saw his way, whether it be six or eight other regents who said, step down. Again, John S. Barza saying step down or I'll bring it to a public question. Because of seniority, I think that you have to mark out the fact that Michael Lewis would be the next vice chairman of the board. And all this goes back to Chris Huckabee. Let me reset. Chris Huckabee, Christopher Huckabee, one of the Regent Gate Five is has been reported being the vice chairman, and a lot of people taking issue with that. Well, who could it have been besides Chris Huckabee? Uh, Michael Lewis was just named. His term expires in January 2023, and then you have to look at. John Walker, but do you have to look at John Walker because he's previously filled or fulfilled an unexpired term on the Texas Tech Board of Regents? And this is for you guys in Lubbock on the Caprock and in Amarillo, just trying to do my due diligence here and bring you up to course. So you've got Huckabee and Lewis who might should be outside of the bounds of being vice chairman because of where they stand. Now, Steinmetz has been reappointed. Long has been reappointed, but they own, they have their own controversies involved here. Or it could have been Francis who stepped down from the board of regents. So there you have Lewis, Steinmetz, Long and Francis, four of the nine. And of course, it couldn't be Lancaster because he is five of the nine who is now the Board of Regents chairman, which could bring it to Walker, Hammonds, or Huckabee. Now, Huckabee, as we've reported before on other side of Texas and on this program, owns some six, seven stocks. And he owns at least 10,000 shares in Vista Bank. And Vista Bank, of course, coming up into the Ragergate allegations. Would Chris Huckabee stand to be one of those who would vie for the vice chancellor's uh, seat? But also Walker... And then Hammonds. Well, I think that we've well established on this program that Hammonds is out of the loop. And so it sets up a situation between Walker and Hammonds. And I don't know why Huckabee stood up in the end against Walker. I don't know if Walker, this is all new information. 
We'll get to the bottom of it, just like we have with the rest of Regent Gate. But why Walker over, or excuse me, why Huckabee over Walker? And those are questions because Huckabee has been widely, again, reported to be one of the five who voted out Bob Duncan, and yet he is next in line to be the chairman of the Texas Tech Board of Regents. Going to track that down and figure out, and of course, Huckabee, as well as owning in this conundrum where you're not supposed to have interest, but you've got the Vistabank trio, as we called them, John Steinmetz and Mickey Long. Steinmetz being the CEO of Vistabank and Mickey Long being the board of chairman, uh, or the, the chairman of the board, excuse me. And then Huckabee owning at least, at least 10,000 stocks out of six or seven stocks that he owns in Vistabank. Why was Huckabee then named? And again, Huckabee, we've written extensively on other side of texas.com i think it's regent gate part two huckabee is the architect and engineer for a for a a&m component tarleton state component on his football stadium there engineer and architect and he got that named in I think the summer, June, 2016. So it does raise a lot of eyebrows that Huckabee was named to be the vice chair. And we'll just follow up here. And all I can tell you right now is that we will continue to follow up. The question at hand is, is Regent Gate over? We'll find out why. John Sharp walked up to We Are the Champions and who he's got in his pocket and is the vice chairman in his pocket, is our others in his pocket. But that's where we lead off the program. Scott Braddock coming up here, Quorum Report editor there, and uh, get in with some Eddie McBride, the CEO of the... Lubbock Chamber of Commerce on a, uh, how shall I say it, The uh, it's going to be just an event for Bob and Terry Duncan. Stick right where you are. Lots of other side of Texas coming up. We're just trying to break it here for you here. Raven on, where Buddy Holly became famous. Stick right with us. About two minutes from now, coming up with a little bit more. We were always getting back. Babe told me a lean dog can run a long race. And all I know is you gotta keep trying. You gotta laugh now and then to keep from crying. The only sure thing is taxes and dying. And your loving makes a living worthwhile. Hey, Raven on here on your other side. This segment is brought to you by Title One. Again, you want to be a part of the program, 806-745-5800. Right here from the studios where Buddy Holly raved on, AM 580 Lubbock. 
Brought to you by Title One, Lubbock's digital real estate and title escrow company. Title One is committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. CL Title One can serve your realty, consumer, and lending needs at Title One. Dot com. He is a very busy man, so busy that we had to pre-record this segment of Braddock on Texas. He is Scott Braddock of the Quorum Report and hope that you learn something from what you hear in the following. Well, Scott Braddock with us again. I want you to consider being a part of my new Pray Against Rain campaign. It's raining entirely okay. too much here, and it's killing out the fabric of our lives, that being cotton. Wow. You on board? I'm on board. I'm looking at your 10-day uh, forecast right now uh, sitting here in my home office, and you've got uh, rain today, and looks like more coming up by the weekend. So here's my proposal. Pray for it to come to Austin instead. We need it down here. Send it, and then during the summer months, maybe y'all can push some back up here. We'll just have some reciprocity on precipitation. We will will do whatever we can. Absolutely, pray away the rain in Lubbock. You are watching everything within the Beltway and the most influential form of government in our day-to-day lives, and that is state government. So, let's start with what drives government or doesn't drive it as it seems to be the case currently but uh last day to register to vote is when last day to register is tuesday and as long as you have your registration form in the mail as long as it's postmarked tomorrow it should be honored and you should be signed up to vote in this state easy way to do it uh, to figure out exactly what you need to do and this is our big psa here jay leeson in addition to the Pray Away the Rain PSA. Uh, You also need to go to VoteTexas.gov. It's VoteTexas.gov. And actually, if you just punch in VoteTexas.gov slash register to vote, it'll take you right to the page that you need to see. It's got everything there, register to vote, where to get an application, filling out the application, uh, you know, making sure you've got the right ID, uh, giving you information about your voter registration card. But the key thing to know is with all of the people who are now very excited to vote, you know, in your area, down in this area, all across the state, in Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, all over. And I just mentioned, and I I do want to mention Brazos County specifically because I know your listenership's been going up in that area online. Uh, But all across the state, there's so much energy around this, and I keep coming across people who will ask a key question. And you know what that question is? Tell me. They want to know, is the election before or after Christmas? No. <laughs> people people just don't have basic information. Yeah. It, of course, it's next month. It's in November. And it, to be able to vote in your area, you've got to be registered. So, again, just go there to votetexas.gov. Uh, I did see some interesting uh, numbers, by the way, uh, on some voter registration. Uh, a 267% increase. Um, in certain areas, um, 50% in other areas, uh, and that's just since the March primary. So there is a lot of excitement out there. A lot of people are starting to understand what it is they need to do if they're going to participate in this democracy. It's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, what, 9 or 10% of us here in the state do that currently. Mm-hmm. As far as voter participation, 
that is uh, you know a different number of course uh, and I was looking at the fact that uh, and I think we reported this uh, maybe last week here on the program that uh, voter registrations since 2014 since the last comparable election and off-year election and non-presidential election we had seen the numbers go up about 1.4 1.6 million people all across the state uh, so we have a very uh, very high enthusiasm for signing up and registering to vote uh, but the irony could be that if you do have that many more people register to vote and then we continue to be dead last as far as actual people who vote in the election, the um, percentage of registered voters who are actually making themselves heard at the ballot box, well, that percentage could go down. Uh, you know, we're the only state where that's probably possible because we continue to be uh, always dead last in voter participation around the country, which is uh, pretty amazing when you think about the fact that uh, the things that go on in Texas often set the tone for other parts of the country. As you mentioned, state government uh, has so much to do with our everyday lives. Um, and, I, you know, this is a message that I send out to Republicans, Democrats, independents, everybody alike. This is not ideological, and I think that you uh, share this view that if people are going to complain, then they need to vote. You know, if they're going to be worried about the various policies that are coming down from Austin or Washington, then they need to have a say in exactly who's there and question uh, whether or not those people are really representing their views. Well, if you don't make your voice heard on Election Day, it doesn't matter. Look at what happened over the weekend uh, with the protesters who were removed from the gallery uh, in the United States Senate as the confirmation vote was coming down about Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who, of course, was confirmed and was sworn in as the newest uh, justice on the Supreme Court just uh, confirmed this weekend and sworn in on Saturday. Um, those people were protesting. Those people are angry. It reminds me of 2013 in the Texas Senate when protesters were removed from the gallery screaming because uh, abortion restrictions were on the floor. Uh, as you remember, then Senator Wendy Davis was filibustering, and she had a lot of supporters there at the Capitol that day who were very angry. Uh, but the people who were on the floor were elected by folks who agree with those abortion restrictions. And so it's not that the people aren't listening to the people. Uh, this is what we see whenever there are these protests, right? We see a lot of folks say, like they said this weekend, you're not listening to us. You're not um, reflecting the values of those of us who have taken the time to show up here at the Capitol and speak to you about these things. Of course, they are horrified by the allegations of sexual assault against Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, but at a base level, at a base level, a lot of those people were originally motivated by what? By the fact that he may be the vote on the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade, or at least to further restrict abortion in this country. A lot of those same folks uh, who were upset about him for other reasons were upset about that to begin with. Um, and the reality is that the people who they're talking to were elected by people who agree with the idea that, um, that abortion ought to be further restricted. How many Republicans did you d uh, talk to in the lead-up to the 2016 election who said that they may be uh, offended by President Trump and some of his rhetoric, they may be uh, offended by some of his actions and some of the things that he was caught on tape saying, uh, for example, about what he'd like to do to women. Um, but a lot of those people held their nose, and they would tell you this, they held their nose and voted for the Republican because he's the guy who would put Supreme Court justices in place uh, who would rule conservatively. That's what they want. Yep. And so it's showing up to vote that matters, not showing up to protest. We had protests here in Austin over the weekend with some people shutting down one of the uh, main bridges, one of the main arteries through the city, because they were upset about Brett Kavanaugh. And you know how many justices that puts on the Supreme Court? 
zero. Elections have consequences. Show up to vote. And I think another misnomer, and we'll get out of this PSA, but a misnomer for a lot of... Look, I may be crazy. Scott Braddock is not crazy, and we cover this stuff pretty closely. Uh, For a a population in which maybe 10% of people vote in the state, but... I think another misnomer is, well, we can't change it, so I'm just not going to go. Well, you can incrementally change it. I mean, if anybody paid attention to Texas Tech over the last week, uh, right. whenever whenever people become activated, you it is it's ants in the pants for politicians. And they may not go all the way where you want them to go. And in this instance, I'm referring to the governor. But... You do see you do see things bend your direction uh, when you do participate. Uh, let's talk Absolutely. about Kavanaugh for just a moment. Yeah, you know our friend, our mutual friend Brandon Darby is yeah. just dead certain no, that he <laughs> dead certain, and I I believe I I, I agree with it. What's uh, he certain about? Dead certain that Kavanaugh could shift some of these elections across the country and could come to bear with uh, Cruz and O'Rourke. Uh, what's your thought on what Kavanaugh means for Texas politics? Well, and just to be clear, what is it that the two of you think it's going to shift in which direction? Toward Cruz? No. Yeah. Yes, towards Cruz. Towards the Republican yeah, Party, based upon what we saw, lots of people have valid claims, but I think that the overall sense is you know they've suffered in their own lives but Kavanaugh was made to be an example and that just like it's unjust what happened to folks what people saw play out in the process was was fairly unjust as well I think that that's going to be the takeaway of a lot of voters your thoughts well I think that a couple things one we're never going to know um, the you know what the ultimate truth was about those accusations uh, made by Professor Ford against Justice Kavanaugh and I think that that is unfortunate and that that leads to even more division uh, in this country uh, what that what it means going forward politically um, I think that you and Brandon may be onto something I was thinking this morning about the parallels with the uh, filibuster uh, that Wendy Davis uh, undertook, which I mentioned uh, back in 2013, where people uh, were very fired up at that time. You And by the way, um, lawmakers, staffers, lobbyists, and others at the Texas Capitol could be forgiven if they had just complete flashbacks back to 2013. When we had, remember David Dewhurst called them the unruly mob, the people who were in the Senate gallery in Austin who had to be removed, uh, they were very fired up, very angry about abortion restrictions uh, that were being filibustered on the floor. Those were eventually passed, just like Kavanaugh was eventually confirmed, right? Um, and so you remember what happened in that election. Senator Davis was inspired to run for governor uh, at the behest of a lot of the angry mob, a lot of the people who were uh, angry about what they perceived as an injustice toward women. Uh, and that's when they were wearing the pink shoes and uh, they were wearing the uh, you know, T-shirts that say a woman's place is in the governor's mansion and all that sort of stuff. Uh, that, of course, did not happen right before the election the way this did. Um, but that continued to be the message that women were uh, somehow, uh, you know, having a war, uh, you know, uh, uh, waged on them uh, in this state. Uh, and those sorts of issues really get, and I'm being very Texas-specific now, I think this is going to have some different impacts around the rest of the country. Uh, but in Texas, 
that message did not fly, right? That message led to a 21-point defeat by the Democrats uh, to Governor Greg Abbott uh, and uh, Senator John Cornyn uh, back in 2014. Uh, and so, look, if, if they think this is the message that's going to win in Texas, if Democrats do, um, then they're probably not right. Now, the environment is different. Uh, we should temper this by saying that uh, there are a lot of people who are upset with President Trump for a variety of reasons. Uh, the President Trump uh, won this state, but won the state by eight point, what was it, eight point five nine percentage points, as opposed to uh, you know double digits uh, that we've seen for Republican nominees in the past. Um, and some of the new polling shows that, and by the way, we just saw another poll today. The Emerson poll of likely voters says that uh, Ted Cruz is up about five points over Beto O'Rourke. Some of the other uh, polls of, uh, of likely voters show uh, that it's about a five, six, or seven-point race rather than these uh, polls that show that it's a one-point race or even that Beto O'Rourke is up. Uh, but 47% Cruz, 42% O'Rourke, about 8% undecided yeah. in that latest poll. Um, look, if this is the, if this is the um, if this is the message, then you are going to see big backlash from Republicans. And if this is, as uh, a lot of the greatest thinkers in uh, in Texas politics believe, if this is a uh, base versus base election, base of the Republican Party versus base of the te- uh, the Democratic Party, you just do the math. The base of the Republican Party is bigger in this state. Yeah. And, and by the way. For for the rest of the country, in those states where the base of the Democratic Party is larger, it would have the opposite effect, right? So so to think about it in terms of the Cruz and O'Rourke race, this is why you don't see O'Rourke getting very specific. I mean, look, uh, if you uh, watch the video of Cruz and uh, Don Trump, uh, Donald Trump Jr. in Wichita Falls last week, they were very specific with their attacks on Beto O'Rourke, where they talk about uh, him being one of the guys who's cool with NFL uh, stars, uh, you know, kneeling during the national anthem. They talked about whether he wants to take the gun away from you. They're talking about abortion rights. They're talking about um, all of these red meat issues. And O'Rourke is very nonspecific. His advertisement that he cut on Facebook Live uh, last weekend, uh, when he talked about all the negative attacks that are you know being lobbed against him. He didn't say anything to dispel those attacks or tell us why they're not true, and he didn't do that during the first debate either. Um, you know, when uh, O'Rourke and Cruz yeah. met in Dallas, they have one more debate coming up. It's supposed to happen in San Antonio, but as we mentioned last week, it was interesting that when they had some votes in the United States Senate that uh, meant that they had to maybe postpone their debate last weekend, uh, and then Cruz moved to reinstate the debate when those uh, votes were not going to be a problem anymore. It's very telling that O'Rourke did not take him up on that, uh, you know, that chance to debate in Houston, and instead was on Facebook Live, uh, simply giving some vagaries about, uh, you know, keeping it positive and not letting the attacks drag him down. Now, Scott Braddock, and this is, this is my own analysis here. Okay, you've got a lot of people, especially in West Texas and other sides of Texas, North, uh, South, East, who not like the urban centers are not dead set on a candidate and i think that if they are well let me say it this way i I think predominant thinking is you know i'm going to vote cruz but it'd be a lot easier to vote cruz if cruz voted for us now how that interplays with this kavanaugh thing in my view is this the saturday out live did a spoof on kavanaugh 
and mm-hmm. made light of Kavanaugh, and then indirectly, I think, made light of Dr. Ford. Now, what Saturday Night Live did wasn't nearly the parody, and this is my own opinion, nearly the parody or making as light of the Kavanaugh-Ford situation as was the Democratic National Committee, which operated this, it's pretty clear, and held it for six weeks before, and then leaked it somehow. Somebody leaked it, and then the DNC. So back to that Cruz point, I think a lot of people go to the polls and look at Beto O'Rourke and not see him, just see the D and say, I can't be party to that. I can't be party to that party. Uh, in some ways, I think that's right, although, uh, as I said, I think in other states that's going to have a different effect. Again, this is sure. probably, uh, and I'm starting to think that uh, that a lot of these folks are right, that it is going to be a, a base versus base election. And so in those places where the math works the other way, then the votes go the other way. I'll uh, call up uh, the guys at other side of California and see how things are going. Scott Braddock, <laughs> as we carry on here. I Governor Abbott fundraiser last weekend, Texas versus Oklahoma, uh, horns up yep. there. Uh, how well attended was the fundraiser last weekend? Well, not well attended at all, uh, just objectively. There are 95 uh, nominees or members uh, who are Republicans for the Texas House, and out of 95, 31 who had RSVP'd were there, plus three others. Uh, for a total of 34, originally about 40 had RSVP'd for this deal. Uh, and just to back up, uh, you know, Texas OU weekend, somebody asked me, you know, what does that have to do with politics? And it has a lot to do with politics because uh, Dallas-Fort Worth members of the legislature, statewide officials and others, um, you know, from around the state also uh, come in uh, and they do fundraising events where, you know, lobbyists and others uh, hand checks to the um, lawmakers uh, and statewide officials for their campaign accounts. Uh, and uh, they have events sort of all over Dallas. Uh, and the governor had suggested that uh, he do a consolidated fundraiser with members of the Texas House. Uh, and there were a lot of members who thought this was especially funny because the governor has, one, attacked some of their own during their Republican primary earlier this year, and two, has hung members out to dry, basically, when they had uh, supported things that uh, he wanted them to support, like his uh, pre-K initiative uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, And so a lot of folks were really looking to see if he would get, you know, a big turnout for this thing. Turns out he did not, and this matters because it speaks to the relationship that the governor has with members of the Texas House, uh, and it still appears to be sort of icy yeah yeah a little bit it tends to get that way it's been funny to talk offline with some of those folks uh yes right there are a lot of republicans who will privately tell you that they simply don't trust the governor by the way the and and for good reason for one he did nothing to help members when they he had promised them he would stick with them campaign for them do things for them in their campaigns if they you know got tea party challengers Back, you know, after the 2015 session, when they basically all, all, almost all of them, hung with him on that pre-K initiative that Tea Party types were calling godless socialism. You may remember that. Uh, and then he did nothing for them. Uh, and then, um, when the governor uh, had a chance to again this year try to prop up Republicans in the primary, uh, he was interested in punishing those who had uh, called him out for what? For something that you've been talking about a lot, Jay Leeson, for the play, the, the simple pay-to-play that goes on in the governor's office, and it's not specific to Governor Abbott. It's pay-to-play that has gone on with Abbott 
Rick Perry before him, George Bush, uh, you know, before him to a lesser extent. It's something that's always sort of gone on in the governor's office that you've got to give money to his campaign if you want to be appointed to, bear, to various boards and commissions. Um, and Representative Lyle Larson, who you've talked to, Representative Sarah Davis, who you've talked to, Representative Wayne Faircloth, who I'm not sure if you had on the program, but doesn't really matter. Same thing. They had all called him out for that, and they were in the firing line. And instead of just arguing with them about the issue, what did the governor do? He called them liberal Democrats, uh, which was um, dishonest at best. Yeah, and I could tell you there's going to be a lot of 806 area codes called up if they take up hearings on pay-to-play, given what we've seen go on up here on the Caprock over the past couple of months. Last question to you. I keep reading about this. Tell me what's going on. Got about two minutes here. Uh, Republicans endorsing Democrats in Texas elections. Despite everything that we've just said, the Kavanaugh effect and the Beto versus Cruz and that race getting more ideological on both sides, Republicans still stepping over to endorse Democrats. It's very specific instances. So we have talked about how Jerry Patterson, the former land commissioner, has endorsed the Democrat who's running against uh, George P. Bush, the current uh, land commissioner. Uh, and uh, Patterson uh, has said that his successor, Bush, has just been an absolute disappointment in that office. He has not done well. That was Patterson's argument in the primary, and it's his argument during the general election, too. So he has endorsed Miguel Suazo, who's running against Commissioner Bush. And then you have Bob Duell, who is a former senator, who is a Republican from East Texas, and he has now endorsed two Democrats for the state Senate. One of them uh, is, a, is a guy named uh, Kendall Scudder, who's running against Bob Hall, uh, who took the seat that, um, that Duell uh, left when he was defeated by Hall. And some people have said, well, that's sour grapes because Bob Hall beat Duell. But then Duell also endorsed against Don Huffines, uh, who's from next door in Dallas County, uh, and what he said had to do with a lot of things, including public education. He asked this question in his endorsement. Duell said, quote, Mr. Huffines seems to be tone deaf to just about everybody as he pursues an agenda for himself and supporters from Austin, West Texas, and Houston. He said, what kind of elected official yells at visiting children when they ask him questions about an issue? That issue, by the way, was school vouchers and, quote, school choice. He said the answer is Don Huffines. So for some of these Republicans, it's coming down to specific issues and whether or not, um, you know, the Republicans who are nominated for these jobs can actually, uh, you know, make good on their promises. Well, Scott Braddock, find more, quorumreport.com at quorumreport, and you can follow him at Scott Braddock on Twitter. Thanks, partner. Have a great week. Thanks, sir. Talk to you next Monday. Braddock on Texas there in this edition. And coming up, we got Eddie McBride, the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. He's the guy who oversees it all, makes it work. Uh, Eddie McBride will be in with us. We'll talk about uh, the Bob and Terry Duncan reception coming up. Might be of intrigue for those of you who follow along with the program. Speaking of following along, about two minutes, go make some good money. Listen to these commercials. Go support these folks. They've gone out on the ledge, and it's paid off for them. Appreciate you listening. We'll be back. Quickie break. Two minutes. We'll be right back here on the other side. 
See, I told you, quickie break. The other side is sponsored by the law firm of Mullen, Horton Brown, LLP, with offices in Lubbock, Amarillo, and Dallas, employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation, banking, financial restructuring, employment law, and estate planning. We have with us here, big event coming up November 1. Many of you may attend if you aren't if you don't know if you're attending, I hope that uh, Eddie will help convince you on this. Eddie McBride is the CEO of the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. Eddie McBride, how are you? I am wonderful, Jay. Thanks for letting me be on today. I uh, appreciate you coming in. Eddie, you, you're in the Air Force. Yes, I was for 20 years, 3 months, and 16 days. Did you fly big? No, jets? I told people where to fly. I mean, that's my job, to tell them where to go and where to fly and everything, so that's what I did. But you didn't fly them yourself? No, uh nope. No nope. Top Gun? No, uh-uh. But no. was that an inspirational movie to you? Oh, my gosh. They, You know, you, you saw those guys. I saw those guys on a day-to-day -day basis and had a lot of time over the years to interact with them, and so that was a part of the fun fun part of their lives that we got to share as well. But, uh, yes, sir. A uh, tougher job uh, with the U.S. Air Force or the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. Oh my gosh, both of them is pretty equal service in that amount. You know, I I loved I loved uh, this is if there was a way to have two distinct different careers, this is a wonderful way to go about doing it. And lots of people looking for a way, given the abrupt nature of the way, and you don't have to get in the weeds here. We've done it plenty here on the program. Lots of people looking for a way. To go shake Bob Duncan's hand, the man who was elected, you know, a quarter century out of West Texas, and then Chancellor abruptly ended. Uh, what about the? Uh, where are we now? Uh, four, four or five weeks well, ago tonight. About about a month four, ago. Yeah, yeah, four weeks ago. A, a day yeah. short. Yeah. When, when he was ousted, and then uh, it became public uh, four days later. But a lot of people looking for a way, how can I, other than putting a bunch of uh, signs on their car, right, <laughs> shoe polish on their car. And they can to, do that still. To uh, thank Bob and Terry Duncan for their service to Texas Tech. So there's going to be a reception that you put together. Tell us about that. Yes, sir. We, we uh, want to do, on behalf of the business community, what we think is appropriate to give Bob and Terry Duncan a, a farewell, if you will. More so than than a farewell, it's really a thank you, Bob, and thank you, Terry. And so on November 1st, Thursday, over at the McKenzie Merck Alumni Center, we're going to do a reception for Bob and Terry from 4.30 in the afternoon to 6.30. And the public is invited, everybody who wants to, again, both have a chance to, to not only shake his hand, but to, but to let him address the crowd, really looking forward to his comments. Knowing Bob, it'll be very low-key, very appreciative, I know, that uh, that folks would like for him to come out and say something, but I don't see Bob doing that. I think he's just going to appreciate the chance to say thank you to the crowd. How surprised, Eddie, I know that a lot of people look at you. I'm sure that the night, uh, I think we had it on August 13, Monday, August 13. Your phone must go berserk because earlier in the program I was talking about cotton. And cotton's a $5 billion industry. Hashtag for chamber folks listening now that Eddie's on the show. Uh, 
hashtag pray away rain. Pray that's away what, rain. I agree. I agree with that hashtag, and I know a lot of my cotton farmer friends are probably doing the same. But Texas Tech does, I think, and you might have updated numbers, but I think it's 1.5 billion dollars annual economic impact in Lubbock, and even more throughout their system, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the system does branch out, but within you're the you're the CEO of the Lubbock Chamber, so let's stick there for just a second, and we'll keep try to keep your ambitions <laughs> under hold here. But your phone must have been going crazy about what is happening. Yeah. Bob's gone? Like, what's happening? We were at a dinner. We were working on our health care plan, and so we were having a, a, a dinner, and, and just the text and emails were going crazy. Have you heard? Is this true? And everything else. And so it was quite a surprise. And, and obviously we were just like anybody else, totally caught off guard with the and, – and sure, we heard first. He First thing we heard, he retired. Second thing we heard, was there some potential reason why he retired? And then all the rest of the stories have unfolded. And you've done a great job, Jay, over this period of time, both both tracking it, testing it, challenging it, giving us opportunities to learn more about it. So uh, it's it's uh, unfolded the way it is. And so I think that's why it's important to do whatever we can to have him be heard on November 1st. And when I reached out to him, it was shortly thereafter. I told him, you know, just like a lot of other people did. And, and I said, well, you got to let us do a reception for you and Terry. And he said, no, at first. He said, no. And I said, okay, we'll just do a reception for Terry, and you can be the, <laughs> you can be the, the, the strap hanger, yeah. you know. So, but, uh, but nonetheless, he, he really afforded us the opportunity, I think, to do whatever we can to show the respect and love that we've had for him for this long period of time. How long have you been CEO? I've been the CEO at the Lubbock Chamber for 19 years, but I was out at Reese doing that base closure thing for three and a half years. That's where I first met Bob. Okay, so but so you've got some perspective. Before he was chancellor, you would have to go to Senator Duncan. That is correct. Talk with Senator Duncan. Yep. So you've got some, you know, I'm, I don't mean to catch you off guard, but surely you have a story about going to the senator and saying look uh, senator we got a problem yes whether it be water there was several issues that both he uh, asked us to help him with some water issues there's some uh, uh, health plan initiatives that we were working that he was cr quite a bit of value to us both with the texas department of insurance as well as uh, some other health plan stuff that we were working with him and and uh, generally speaking, I don't think there was ever a time that we didn't ask him for help, that he didn't do as much as he could to help us. And, and it was certainly vice versa as well. We had a very good relation. I, I wish we could have carried more water for him, but uh, I know for a fact that he was uh, very representative of uh, quite a few different uh, efforts on our behalf over the years. And so we, we really had a good relationship with the senator and now former chancellor Bob Duncan. November 1st, 4.30, 6.30, the Mercat Alumni Center. Anybody can come. Anybody can come. It is open to the public and the agenda. Be the city is actually going to uh, have a hiatus from their city council meeting so that the mayor can come over and the council can also show their respect to them. We've asked a, a lot of other folks to, to make sure they so have they a chance to. So they moved their city council meeting? No, they're just taking it. They didn't move it. They're just going to okay. take a break. And I really appreciate uh, the city manager making that available for the mayor and council to come. We That that day was, was uh, most opportunistic for the, the, the the Duncans to be here. So. But wasn't it, was it originally set for October? 
No, sir. It's always been November. No, I wanted it to. We wanted it to be when he was ready to come back and do it. So yeah. uh, I just appreciate he and Terry making themselves available for us to to recognize him. That's a, yeah. the whole point of it, of course. So we're really looking forward to just patting him on the back and shaking his hand and telling him how much we he and Terry. Now Terry and I started working together when I got to the chamber when she got to to then Market Lubbock. So I go way back with Terry yeah. as well. So a little bit further, of course, with then Senator Gunk. And, and talk to us a little bit about that, Eddie McBride, CEO of Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. Not only promoting an event, but uh, Terry herself is is a very impressive individual and put down, I would think, some good opportunities to help tech and to help the community civically. Wasn't taking home a lot of cash because of it. But just did what she thought was right, but uh, not enough people know about Terry Duncan. She was involved in a lot of skilled worker training. You know, she did a lot of work, workforce training, workforce development efforts on behalf of Lita. You know, so she was, uh, well, Market Lubbock first, then Lita. And and I think Terry was very involved in, in school district and, and getting kids ready to enter that pipeline, both for the workforce as well as going to college as well. So Terry worked very tires, tires, tirelessly for a long time, and I worked with her on a lot of a occasions in that respect as well so had a great relationship with terry and and uh it was a great great chance she did a wonderful job as first lady worked the last couple of years with her on this arts lubbock deal with her and and uh bess haley and and uh, elizabeth regner and some folks over at on the campuses everything so uh she did a great job helping get that that motivated as well eddie mcbride stick with us because i also want to talk about and I'll be plain, those those listening to the program often read my website, othersideoftexas.com, and I said, you know, at least, I don't know when I put this up, maybe two weeks ago, that we're, what we were looking at on October 10, it's October 10, right, the State of the University? October 16th. Oct- oh, so has it been moved back since uh-uh. then? Okay. No, it's, no, that's not Well, always- I think I said at the time that it was going to be the state of the the absurdity not the state of the university <laughs> but that was before last thursday happened uh-huh. now you're looking at sole finalists it's just waiting on a 21 day formality of ted mitchell but want to hear you talk a little you bit bet. about yes, that sir. as well going to go to a real quick break get back in right here on the other side of texas eddie mcbride we're going to talk some uh, talk some talking At Smith South Plains Ford, we're all about a better car buying experience. We understand that shopping for a car is a big deal, and that's why we believe in listening to what matters to you. Come see us in Leveland, where we have a wide selection of new Ford cars and trucks and an excellent sales staff. Love your car, love your dealership at Smith South Plains. On Highway 114 in Leveland, Texas, or online at smithsouthplains.com. Love your car, love your dealership, Smith South Plains. Hey, welcome back in. We close out this edition, the apocalypse setting upon us, broadcasting on a Monday, expecting 60 to 70 mile per hour winds, 1 to 2 inch hail maybe some twisters some call that the the apocalypse but here on the cap rock we just call that monday i'm glad that you stuck with us here over the break this closing 
edition, or I'm sorry, this closing segment of the program brought to you by Lubbock File Room. Hey, do you need some uh, document storage, perhaps shredding services? Well, what do you got? Yeah, they've been providing document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding area since 1992. For a free and hassle-free estimate, call LubbockFileRoom.com, 806-744-7666. Tell them the other side of Texas sent you there, Lubbock File Room. Dot com close out here with Eddie McBride. What was your military rank? I retired as a lieutenant colonel. Okay, close down here with Lieutenant Colonel Eddie McBride, CEO <laughs> of Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. So, Bob and Terry Duncan event November 1, mm-hmm. but also October 16th. 16th. You've got the state of the university. How relieved were you last Thursday, Edding McBride? Because I've written about it before. That would have been an okay, maybe less than okay event if you didn't know where the ship was headed. And that's true. That's true. And I don't, I don't deny that at all. But I do know for a fact that both uh, interim chancellor to be Chancellor Mitchell as well as President Skubenik. I know good and well that they were going to deliver a great message, especially with the situation we find ourselves in now and in, with enrollment numbers and with as well as the university is providing for not only its students but for our region, for the state, for the nation, you know. So I know for a fact that the, that uh, how well they've done in the past that w- I was expecting a very good show from them and now it's going to be even better that uh, we've solidified at least going forward some of the questions about the the university's leadership uh you got to be a chamber member to get into this it you do not have to be a chamber member you'll pay a non-chamber member price if you're not so that's one of the benefits of course as you well know jay of being a chamber member yeah uh so what's that price and where do people go to uh, get get good seats for you, uh, the event lubbockchamber.com obviously is the website where you can sign up call 761-7000 and the friendly voices on the other end of the phone will give you all the information about the event October 16th next week at 1130 and it's going to be over at the Helen DeVitt Jones at the Tech Museum and Sculpture Garden oh so it's going to be at a different le- yes it is for us it is but we're looking forward again to celebrating the campus and we're just really happy to have a course uh, Dr. Mitchell and President Skuvenick there to speak on behalf of the university. Yeah, I think that this may be, well, maybe, this is Ted Mitchell's most important speech ever. You know, he's he's no doubt going to be extremely well prepared, but you know good and well that uh, that now this has a different meaning because going forward, developing the shape of the vision of the university is uh, going to be, I think, a great thing. That's why we're very happy with the uh, his his being nominated as the sole finalist because uh, even if he didn't want the job, he's just going to be a super successor to our good friend Bob Duncan. The uh, and Bob Duncan saying himself how pleased he and Terry were that uh, Ted and Janet Mitchell would be walking in to that position. Uh, anyway, Brian, there was one more question I had for you, and I'm afraid it's slipping my mind. Oh, oh. Uh, you guys do not, do not, I've already called dibs here, and if I need to trademark it, I will, but we are going to be selling t-shirts on this program that our chancellor can kick your chancellor's ass, okay? 
<laughs> do not get ahead of it. I know how you guys think about the green. Hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag. We, we thought of it first right here. Uh, Eddie, anything else before we get you off here? No, Jay, thank you very much. But also, Bob Duncan is going to be our guest speaker at our annual awards meeting on November 29th. Wow, so, you got uh, him two times. That's how, that's how I got into the conversation with him, was asking him to do that. And he, he said, let me think about it. Sure. I mean, that's how dedicated he is to our community because he knew having a chance to address the business community was going to be good. And then we then we got him talked into doing this reception as it well. It was whenever he made the release, I think, that we had it first on his, his response to the stepping down of Rick Francis. You know, there was some... Uh, Bob Duncan is a meticulous measurer of words. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. If he is political in any way, it's that he measures his words so carefully. Yep. But I thought the most important part with that statement, you talking about him coming back here twice for two respective events. Did he come to the State of the University event? I don't think so. Okay. But within, the, within his statement about... Uh, Ted Mitchell and the stepping down of Rick Francis from the chairman position, I thought the most important part of that was his use of we. We throughout that piece. As if to say, not y'all, yeah. not third person plural. I, I agree with you. But the first person plural, we going forward. Yeah, because, you know, I've always said this, uh, of all the state politicians that I've ever worked with, I don't know if there's a greater statesman that I've had the chance to, to work with, both on advocating on behalf of the Lubbock business community or advocating on statewide issues, things of that nature. I don't think that you can find a better person that, uh, that obviously represented the interest not only of his folks, but also he did it very thoughtfully. Yeah. And he did it just like you say from that from that bigger bigger perspective than just himself. You're absolutely right. The West Texas gentleman. Yep, true West Texas gentleman. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Eddie, we really appreciate you coming by. Eddie McBride, a part of those events, November 1. November 1, the reception, 4.30 at the McKenzie Market. October 16. At 11.30 at the Helen DeVitt Jones Sculptor Garden for the State of the University, not state of whatever else you were talking about, the State of the University hey, presentation. Ed, listen, I know you got to do your job, <laughs> but i got to do my job, too. You do it well, and Jay. You as, do it well. As of la before last Thursday, it was the State of the Absurdity. But here we are. Uh, things have been made right. Uh, speaking of making things right and doing your right great week coming up ahead and selena zito is going to come on the show national columnist golly we, I mean, we got some candidates coming up we've got brandon darby we've got ross ramsey this is why we are the most listened to program in west texas appreciate you taking time to stick with us here and gonna get home gotta get home usually i say here eddie I got to get home because I've got a great family and above average dinner. I've got to get home and clear out that garage and then make sure that uh, everything's in the cellar the way it needs to because apparently the apocalypse is coming. The apocalypse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you say, just another West Texas Monday. Yeah, but not a, not necessarily a Chamber of Commerce no, Monday. No, Plan B. <laughs> plan B day. Not Plan uh, A. Plan not Plan A. Hey, uh, we're going to sign off here. Appreciate Eddie McBride, Scott Braddock joining this edition. Better editions and coming forward this week. Appreciate you tuning in and telling your friends. Just go download it there on your Apple Podcasts. Uh, 
Google, Stitcher, it's everywhere. Uh, see you next time.